0: So uh Kevin I have written out an in- introduction but I'm going to be honest it's probably going to be better coming from you if you could just introduce yourself to everybody watching.
1: Yeah sure uh my name's Kevin I'm a dentist I run the site over at Meat Health which is a bunch of carnival resources education uh coaching. So that is the two second overview but we can dive deep wherever anyone's interested. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, but what, your website is fantastic, by the way. I really like the way you set it out. Lots of videos, and it's really, um, you know, it's really simple to follow. I, the question we've been asking most people is: so, why carnivore? You know, what what made you get into it?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I so I guess some of the backstory, the longer backstory is. Maybe like a lot of people, but I struggled with weight growing up. So I was an overweight kid. And by the time I was in junior high, I'm doing weird diets, like very weird diets. I'm I'm starting to work out every day. I'm running every day, trying to do everything to figure out the problem. And the subsequent, you know, two and a half decades now, at least since then, (laughs) uh, I'm I'm not as young as their last guest, Colt, But uh, uh, I've spent literally decades researching experimenting and it was initially for body composition reasons i was like i wanted to lose the fat and eventually i wanted to build the muscle just to you know feel good in my own skin so it was very much just the vanity side of health and fitness very much just the fitness side of that equation and then i uh, long story short so i I went to I, i was obsessed with this in high school by the time i was in uh college i'm not sure if i lost you guys i just see it the screen changed, <laughs> uh, but by the time I was in college, was I was or still good. Okay, cool. Uh, I got my degree in chemistry. I got a minor in biology, and it was really so I could funnel the sciences through. How can I use science to lose fat, build muscle? By the time I was in dental school, I had thought I had cracked the fitness code, and I did physique competitions a few, and I actually became a national physique competitor eating, I would say, a good good diet, but not uh, a great diet, kind of a more classic bodybuilding diet. So very lean meats, I call filler vegetables. Uh, But by the time I was 30, you know, I was happy with how I looked and I figured that out, but I I did not have the health part of the equation yet. So that's what I went to set my sights on. How can I get healthy and fit? And that's what led me into eating just meat. So in early 2017, mid-2017, is when I started just eating meat, I started removing all the various plants, foods out of my diet. And by mid 2017, I was just eating meat and I'd never felt better. And I was able to finally have my steak and eat it too. So I could have, so I could feel great, but also have the body that I wanted. And since then I've kind of been this, you know, banging the drum that meat is health because I feel like, the common narrative that I was sold for the prior 20-plus years was that, you know, I never ate much red meat because I was like, hey, this is bad for you, right? It's high and saturated fat that's going to clog my arteries. So the meat I did eat, it was like chicken breasts, And the only kind of fat I'd ever really get in my diet would be like eggs. And, I, you know, I've got to be careful with those. And so I feel like I, even though I was so deep into health and fitness for so long, it was not until, I would say, 2017 when I actually started eating any red meat in my diet in any quantity. And that, that really was the game changer, both adding red meat, fatty red meat to my diet, but also probably removing a lot of the foods that were probably bloating me, causing all kinds of inflammatory issues and blood sugar swings. So I finally got the energy that I really was looking for, the health feeling great, and you know, it was able to still do all right within the body composition department. <laughs>
0: Yes so uh Rich did you want to um ask a question because I've been monopolizing everything
2: Not you know I I've, I've taken the stage for hours and hours and I'm sort of trying to rein it in a little bit now to give people the airtime because yeah, we're we're on for 30 minutes and what I've noticed is I'm taking up pretty pretty like by going off on one so look this is Kevin's you know stage uh, I think everyone's here to, to hear his story um, you know, I can just yeah, your story is incredibly similar to mine and, and most other people's who begin the journey, isn't it? You know, we begin for, for vanity reasons, uh, because looking good makes us feel good. Um and that's why we we want to start the journey is to lose that weight initially, isn't it? But I mean, you know, the benefit from living the lifestyle is is ultimately health and well-being, isn't it? And I think um you know, for everyone who is probably listening to this, it's, it's, it's been a similar story. They've they began for you know for vanity purposes, and then you know it—it it becomes like stuff. But do you know what I've noticed is everybody that has come come on is in incredible shape. <laughs> Have you noticed everybody that's been on looks fit and healthy? <laughs> exactly, there it is. Look. Um, you know, and I, I I, don't think there are many podcasts, certainly uh, so going for 24 hours with such the volume of guests that we've had on today that have been in the shape and condition, you know, so, you know, kudos to everybody that's been on. But it's just testament to the lifestyle, isn't it? it um, you know, I don't die yet. Uh, I, I very, tr- I very rarely train on on weights anymore. Doctor Chafee you know, alluded to that in 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 his lifestyle recently as well. That he's done very little training. See, yet, you know, we still look a bit unhealthy, and I can see there. You know that you um, were still in incredible shape. You know. <laughs> The lifestyle is, is all given, isn't it? This is the magic elixir, as you say. Uh, but yeah, this uh, stage is yours. You you carry on. I, I'll jump in with, with anything that uh, that springs to mind as we as we go through.
0: Well, people have got questions, so I'm going to read the first one out. Karen is asking, "Please ask Doctor Stock." Here he is. Uh, How he advises a strict carnivore, beef, fish, and water, to bring their average daily blood sugar down and ketones higher, more fasting or fattier meat or something else?
1: Most versions of a carnivore diet is going to bring your daily blood sugar down and your ketones higher, uh, just as the nature of not eating Carbohydrate, plant-based foods, but if someone is still having an issue with like some blood sugar swings or something like that, uh, yeah, what I would do, I, I wouldn't necessarily go to fasting. Although for some people that can be a good route, but for most people, I would say probably just strict move towards fattier cuts of meat initially uh, until that gets under control, and then I, generally I would just say after after you get under control, more or less follow your appetite where. Some people find themselves doing better with just fattier meat. I would say more in the 80-20 category, 80% of calories from fat, 20% from protein. And other people like me, I probably swing more to the other side, a little bit higher protein than fat. Maybe my ratio is 60 to 40 on average, or maybe 50, uh, excuse me, maybe 65, 35, 65% of calories from fat, 35% of calories from protein. That's a rough ballpark uh, of where I'm at, but I'm kind of in the higher protein camp. I just feel good there actually helps me keep my body composition a little bit closer to where i want uh, but i know other people that like the 80 20 is better and then actually i think for myself and even probably maybe most people is the classic 70 30 ketogenic ratios is probably my baseline so if i'm not trying to do anything with body composition i'll probably land right at 70 30 uh which is these standard ke- ketogenic ratios but i'm just always cautious of people limiting the protein side of the equation because a lot of times like i have my blood sugar under control so they start skimping on protein and eating really high fat, but the protein, especially for people that have blood sugar issues and diabetic, muscle mass is like going to be. It is your biggest glucose sink. So if you're skim- skimping on protein, I don't think that's a good idea. Actually, for people that have blood sugar issues, my recommendation is like we want moderate to high protein, and then probably resistance training is your best friend. So you can improve muscle mass because that is your biggest glucose sink. Like, so to me, that's my my general recommendation in that regard. Welcome to the alchemy of natural healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel. It's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started.
0: Yeah, I think people forget that. That is where your glycogen is. If you're you're muscular, then there's more storage capacity. Simple as that. That's great. I think we have a very specific one for you because of your job. Any obvious reason why carnivore would have bleeding gums other than their toothbrush? Maybe I'm grinding my teeth in my sleep.
1: Perhaps generally carnivore is going to just dramatically increase your improve your oral health. And so that's generally what happens because when it comes to cavities, gingivitis, periodontitis, carbohydrates are the main culprit here. So when you get rid of those, a lot of these problems uh disappear. So without a closer inspection and evaluation of diet, lifestyle, those kinds of things, it's hard to say why you might have bleeding gums my intuition would be maybe it's you're early into carnivore. So maybe that transition phase, but if it's not that I would uh, look to other reasons because yes, uh, if you're using a hard toothbrush, uh, like a manual hard toothbrush and not using good technique that could definitely uh, cause some bleeding gums as well as some recession. So I caution against that. I am a big advocate of if you're using a toothbrush, I like electric toothbrushes. It tends to get rid of the manual potential air. Um, so the other thing, uh, bleeding gums—people that don't floss uh, properly. So if you if you're snapping your gums, uh, the snapping the floss through the contacts and it's cutting your gums, that can cause it as well. But if you're referring more to gingivitis or periodontitis, um, that <laughs> there's, there's a flosser right there. Uh, I, carnivore is generally going to be the best thing for your oral health. Yeah, I, I mean The I'm, reason sorry steve yeah
2: the, the reason this occurs usually is that you're coming from uh a, a, a diet or lifestyle that's uh, highly inflammatory so your gums are inflamed and when you become keto carnivore they actually shrink that you lower the inflammation which is causing the bleeding gums um it's quite common within the carnivore keto community when beginning the journey uh, but it tends to clear up after a while but it's coming from a state of, of high inflammation and then you know recovering from this but um but yeah, that's my, my, my two pannas.
0: <laughs> what I was going to say was I'm British, so I have bad teeth anyway. That's the first thing. <laughs> uh, and because I was high carb until I was 50, um, I, I just suffered with, with- With chronic sort of overcrowding and 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 everything so my teeth are absolutely shot so i think when i got to 50 carnivores certainly helped reduce the problems or slow them down but um you know i've got i've I've had gum disease and everything but it certainly certainly improves in the overall health i think right next question Kevin, you know, we're making the most of having a, a dentist and a, a carnivore expert in for half an hour. Is there a... And obviously, you know a lot about training. Is there a difference of optimal ways for women to gain muscle mass versus what men would do to gain muscle mass?
1: That's a good question. There, There's a few things. I would say there's more individual things versus man, men versus women. And... What I mean by that is account for like, what's your history of you're totally beginner versus someone that's more intermediate versus someone that's advanced. What do you have access to? How much time do you have to train? What's your ultimate goals? And I think that is where the difference in training advice comes for from more so than men versus women. Uh, so th- there's a lot of context to that, but in obviously <laughs> to give like, Hey, what, what do I recommend? uh but in general i am a fan of resistance training for for people but you can actually like some people you can do like uh i have a resistance band program and so in 2020 my gym shut down and for the first time in the previous 20 years i had to go figure out what to do for my workouts because i love working out the gym has been a home away from home for me uh for a long time and so when the gym shut down i had figure out what i was going to do and so i Got these resistance bands, started doing resistance band workouts in my house. And you can do a great workout in a short amount of time from your home with just resistance bands. And depending on what your goal is, that could be like ideal situation. Now, if you want to be competitive on a bodybuilding stage or you want to put on a lot of muscle, um diet's going to play a big role there but you know also you got to, the training intensity you need progressive you need to have a progressive schedule meaning uh, i generally recommend prog- um, double over uh, progressive overload and um so basically you want to be moving the weights or the resi- resistance up over time and or the volume and there's a lot of kind of detail we can get into this but in general, I think the two important concepts when it comes to muscle building, the number one important concept is progression. And I mean that both in terms of the workout progression as well as the dietary progression. Because what I'll see a lot of people do is they're in the gym every day, right? They're working out hard, but the weights don't ever go up. And so one, you need to strive to, you know, in, increase intensity so that you are adding weight volume to on the workout side. But then secondarily, one of the reasons why the weights sometimes don't move is that the diet needs to follow. If you're trying to put on muscle, you need to progressively also progress your diet. If you're eating, let's say 2,000 calories a day every single day, that doesn't ever change. Your food stays the same forever, and your workout. Like I, I recommend progression in the diet, meaning like you need to eat more and more over time to keep putting on muscle. Uh, so two general recommendations that there's a lot of context that's missing. (laughs) But that's what I'll say about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kevin, we've had this all day. It's been incredibly, incredibly busy. But um, and I do point out this is not a personal one to one. It's just for information and education. Um, And we do have to speak in generalities. And uh, anyway, right. Uh, Carsten's asked, Kevin, could you talk a little bit about Western A. Price? uh, His findings regarding Helps and teeth i mean Weston a price is a big name in dentistry so that's a good question i think
1: he is dr weston a. price was a dentist in the early 20th century and he had a practice and he noticed like a of people having lots of cavities lots of oral hygiene cavities you know dental problems and it was an interesting time in the world in the 1930s when We had the intersection of, in many, so first of all, we have photography, we have planes. And so in a a real way, this is like the first time the world has like really started to open up. And I believe he started seeing pictures from people from around the world. He's like, man, they don't have the cavities that I'm seeing in my office. And they don't have the oral and physical degeneration that he is seeing every day. And so in the 1930s, Dr. Weston Price, literally, he traveled the world, five continents, and he studied these tribes and really the intersection of people eating a traditional indigenous diet and people next door to them often that modern foods have invaded. And by modern foods, he's largely talking about sugars and flours, uh, canned foods, things like that. And also when a traditional People eating a traditional diet, and those foods first come. And so he studied these groups from around the world, and he wrote up his seminal work. It's called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, uh, summarizing his findings. And his summarizing, is it's over 500 pages. Uh, it's a great book, but it is pretty fast to summarize because. He found really the same things across the world. When the people were eating their traditional indigenous diets, they tended to have overall great oral health and great physical health as well. And they were more uh, resistant to disease. Uh, t- tuberculosis was a real big problem at this time. And those that were eating the traditional indigenous diets, they didn't have the problems that people are eating these modern foods. And so, what he notices those eating their traditional diets, indigenous diets, overall healthy mouths, healthy bodies, when the modern foods of the displacing foods of modern commerce, that's what he called them, uh, when these arrived, People would get cavities initially. The first, when they first got introduced, they started to get cavities. The second generation post adoption of these foods, they got cavities, but they also started getting malocclusion. Their teeth were crowded, and they started to develop these long, narrow faces and malocclusion. And so, and he also saw this in the skeleton as well, where women would get narrower hips and had more issues with childbirth. And so, basically, with the, when, with the adoption of these modern foods, he saw the oral and physical degeneration. Um, and so, in a nutshell, that's what he found basically across the world. And he documents this in his book. He documents documents all the countries the continents that he visited all the various tribes um and overall that that, that's where his findings were and i mean there's all kinds of interesting findings in his books as far as like the specific tribes what they were eating in order to prevent you know oral and physical decay versus when the displacing foods modern commerce first um or what you know would show up and what he would witness with those introductions of novel foods uh, and you know the consequences of that.
0: Great, great answer, and um, very passionate about that. I, I enjoyed seeing you being so passionate. It's uh, to me, it's uh, a it's very interesting book, and I thought dental health. You know, snooze fest. It's, it's a brilliant book. It's absolutely brilliant. So, so Sophia has asked a very vague question, uh, but I think we can flesh this one out. Should women past the age of 50 eat more protein?
1: I think that's a great question. And one last thing I wanted to mention about the prior question is um I recently did a talk at KetoCon. This past KetoCon is recorded. I just put it up uh on my website. It's called Meat Mouth. And it's all the clues that our mouth gives us about what we should or shouldn't be eating. And I mention this because Often, the mouth is the, the canary in the coal mines, like I like to think. Of. When our diet is off, dentists are often the first people to see it. We'll see cavities and we'll see periodontal disease before someone has a heart attack. And if you start looking at like the periodontal connections and the research with linking periodontal disease and heart disease and dementia, we see this very strong associate, association, almost like they have a similar cause. But the thing is, we'll see cavities and we'll see periodontal disease far before your cardiologist is going to catch your heart attack. And so... Dentists have a front row seat to this, and the mouth is often can can tell us what we should or shouldn't be eating, and so. Like you said, oral oral health is te- te- like it's a snooze fest, but I find it can be fascinating, especially when it comes to nutrition, because I think the mouth tells us so much about what we should or shouldn't be eating, which makes sense. That's where the food first enters; like it goes in our mouth first, so uh, first part of the digestive tract. So we, I think, the mouth can tell us a lot, and it doesn't have to be a snooze fest. I think we can learn a lot from the mouth. So uh, sorry to go on that tangent uh, regarding uh, Sophia's question: Should women past the age of fifty eat more protein? I love this question because we typically see the reverse. The older someone gets, we tend to they tend to eat less protein, and as we age, that we get a degree of anabolic resistance. What that means is basically it's harder to put on muscle, it's easier to lose muscle, and one of the strongest predictors of longevity is going to be your muscle mass and your ability to be able to get up, move around, uh, and sarcopenia, like muscle wasting, is one of the best predictors of mortality. So as we age, we We should put a strong emphasis on muscle mass. And in order to maintain that muscle mass, protein plays a very important role. So I would say most women past 50 should be eating way more protein than they currently are should you eat more protein depends on how much more, how much protein you're eating. If you're already eating, let's say a pound, a a gram of protein per pound of body weight, I wouldn't say that you need to eat more. You've been eating a good amount. And so you should probably continue eating at least that much. Um, but most women, especially when, you know, past middle age should, should be eating way more protein, drastically under eat protein.
0: Brilliant. And I'm going to apologize, Kevin, for the sort of, you know, oh, rapid no. fire questions. But when we, when we, when I had this stupid brainwave to do the 24 hour live stream, Rich and I, I got rich and bored. I thought, yeah, we're going to really struggle with content. No one wants to come on. And way too many people said yes, which is beautiful. It's fantastic. <laughs> and so many people are asking questions. So it does feel a bit like an interrogation. I, I do apologize. And I can shorten
1: the answers. If you want, if you want me to do the shorter answers, I can. I always like, I want, I want to try and find the balance of get, give you enough <laughs> context
0: well, no, I was apologizing for it not being that casual and conversational.
1: Oh. Uh, right.
0: Here we go. Uh yeah. Now I know the answer to this because I can I just spoke about this, but strange we need to floss and, and we need toothpicks, even though we have carnivore teeth. Your thoughts. Thank you.
1: This is gonna be very strange for me to say because it's coming from a dentist, but I'll just we can just reference we already talked about Dr. Westney Price. So Many of these traditional indigenous tribes no, like they didn't have problems with cavities. They didn't have malocclusion. All their teeth were coming in. They were coming in straight. And look, they weren't brushing their teeth twice a day with an electric toothbrush with heavily fluoridated toothpaste and flossing their teeth. You know, every single night they weren't doing this and they didn't have problems. So that tells you a little bit about perhaps the importance of oral hygiene in the context of a proper diet. Now, oral hygiene becomes very important when we start transitioning into a modern diet and kind of like oral hygiene is kind of like trying to exercise your way out of a bad diet. And so it can definitely be helpful. Like if you're eating a bad diet, you definitely want to be brushing. You want to probably be flossing. You want to be doing all these oral high standard oral hygiene recommendations, or otherwise you're going to have oral problem, oral health problems. Um, But if you're eating a good diet, um, I don't want to discourage necessarily, you know, cleaning your teeth, but the emphasis is much less than if you're eating a, eating a poor diet. You mean meat stuck in the teeth. Uh, sorry. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting about meat getting stuck in the teeth meat does not get stuck in my teeth unless it is like i tend to eat very rare beef like makes up most of my diet but like if i have like really like well cooked ground beef that will get stuck in my teeth or what any kind of well cooked meats those get stuck in my teeth but the more rare steaks and any kind of like beef that i eat does not i don't i never have a problem with it it's really the the heavily cooked uh Meat, And also occlusion plays a big role in that. So if you have crooked teeth, spacing, gapping, things like that, that will also exacerbate uh, food getting stuck in your teeth. Yeah.
0: You see, now I have to use these because my history is my teeth are absolutely crowded. So I think mead sticking in my tooth is not the meat. That's a problem. It's my how I was brought up, what my parents, my parents um, you know, I lost them very, very young, but uh, they were grain based and didn't eat meat, didn't eat fat. That's been passed on to me. So my teeth are terrible. So, yeah, I have to use teepees and flossing after absolutely everything. Now, my raw carnivore dog who we've had since he was a puppy. um even he gets it sometimes stuck. He'd have a duck neck. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a thing. I mean, you know, we've got teeth and they have some gaps and sometimes something will go in there. But it's great fun to watch my dog try to get bits of stuff out of his teeth. But he always does it. Anyway, right. Uh, let's have a look at the next question. Um, um Coffee, people asking about coffee. what are your views on coffee? Do you think it's okay in the carnivore diet?
1: I, uh, contrary to like some people who think coffee is a health food, I do not think it's health food. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I currently do drink coffee, I recommend other people as well as for myself to take it in and out of the diet. Um, I've been, I've had it in now for you know quite some time. I think it's one of those things. Everyone should probably that has drinking it for a long time test go a time without it. You know, get on without it, see how you feel. I know some people once they remove coffee, it made all the difference. And then I know a lot of people that hey, they're not giving up their coffee, they feel fine with it. I think you know it's one of those things that perhaps it's the negatives of coffee are not something that's going to show up in our life in your lifetime so it's, maybe it's not going to give you heart disease or cancer or whatever so maybe it's totally fine you perform fine you sleep fine all the, all those kinds of things um i think it's one of those i can i call it a vice in my diet that's how i think about it so that's one of my vices uh but i, I don't think it's a health food but i do think some many people can consume it uh without necessarily experiencing negative side effects
0: Okay, that's cool. Um, I used to be a phlebotomist many years ago, so I've seen lots of bloods. Um, some people worry about their liver enzymes, (AST, ALT), but I think um, there's a connection between training and a little bit of an elevation. I think that's something you've talked about. So could you just speak to that for
1: a bit? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, just some of the research shows if you're training, you're, you're having this acute stress and Your liver enzymes, if you get blood work within that kind of recovery time period can show elevated, um, you know, liver enzymes, which can uh, concern people that, hey, am I having a liver failure or something like that? Um, When really it's just kind of, I'll call it an artifact of having trained close in proximity to your blood test.
0: Cool. Uh, Richard, by the way, someone's messaging you and asking you, they want to find your podcast so you've done that. That's great. Okay, so Kevin, um, I'd like you to speak to Richard because Richard is a is a person. Maybe you should have on your podcast because he, he he's absolutely brilliant. He's really into the science and he's quite geeky. Or you could have me on at some point. Um, if you just want to have a laugh, and we could both talk about playing the piano because I've played the piano very badly.
1: Um, I'm very bad as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or we could have a, a a playoff, you know, and see who's the worst. Um, I want to thank you for coming on, um, but I, I, I just want to get across something. I'm, I'm going to sort of tell people how brilliant you are. When I was putting out my invites and saying, right, I'm doing this 24-hour live stream, I, I, I sent it to the people I really wanted to come on board, and it was not people I knew. Um, necessarily, you know, and every single influencer you could possibly think of, I went for, and Kevin was one of the best for responding because within ten minutes he just wrote back, brilliant, I booked it, which is great. So I want to want to awesome. thank you for that. Oh, I didn't yeah? have oh. to pound you, I didn't have to coerce you, I didn't have to bribe you. You just came on, so I really want to thank you for just giving us half hour of your your very valuable time. So could you just tell people watching how to get a hold of you, your website, um, what you do,
1: what you can do. From? Sure, and but I mean, you first of all, kudos on organizing such a brilliant event. And then when I heard, I was like, "This is fantastic idea." Um, and secondly, you made it very easy to book, and I think. From my end, when I see that, I appreciate it. It's someone that already knows what's going on. They're like, "Hey, this is it's this at this time. All you have to do is book it, so there's no back and forth." I'm like, "Look, I, I'm in. Let's do this." Like, well <laughs> organized. I'm all about that. Uh, so, kudos to you. And if anyone wants to find some of my stuff, I have my I have a website, KevinStock.io, uh, which I have all kinds of stuff. But also, meat.health is the real carnivores. Uh, aspect of uh, the website so those are the two main places i'm all over social media kevin stock 12 tends to be the handle kevin stock 12 that i use various places why 12 uh because i think whenever i started the um you know kevin stock was already gone some other kevin stock grabbed that first so you know i just went with 12 and i was just trying to keep it i guess as consistent as possible across channels <laughs> so
0: rich do you want to ask a question i've got a question i'd like to ask but come on you've been very quiet
2: yeah do you know i've just been taking it in it's uh, i've i've i feel like i've taken most of the center stage we had jen and and uh um uh the yeah, wins on wasn't it and and i yeah I, I felt a little bit guilty because i sort of just pushed it at one side because i tend to get lost in things but yeah i mean i i found this incredibly interesting it um Across all sort of levels, I've noticed benefits from living low-carb ketogenic lifestyle. Um, oh, bone, when it comes to um, living carnivore keto, bone is mineralized protein. We need to consume protein and we need minerals to build bone. Um, salt protein. Calcium absorption is directly linked to the amount of, of sodium that we can consume. Um, and that's directly linked to, to building uh, bone mineral density. Now, I, I've been to, I haven't been to the dentist for a long time. I used to suffer severely with, with bad teeth. Um, my teeth now are pretty good. Um, I, I went recently for a checkup because part of uh, of the checkup process in, in the UK is if you don't go, then you get kicked off the list. And it's always handy to have a, a, a dentist, isn't it? Um I don't know if this is typically in my head, but I had an x-ray on uh, because I've got some fillings and my teeth looked like they had repaired. The cavities looked like they had become smaller. Is that possible whatsoever or am I just imagining things? I looked, I questioned this with the, with the dentist and she had to do a double take. Um, and, and I, you know, I explained my theory behind it in regards to, you know, building bone and things because we think osteoporosis is uh, irreversible. You know, is that even possible? I, I'm not saying we can regrow teeth by any means, but can we strengthen teeth and, and, and make them stronger by, by living this lifestyle or am I just dreaming?
1: <laughs> well, so we absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, can remineralize our teeth. And in fact, our teeth are always kind of in this state of demineralization, which is bad. Like that's it. You have acid, you have, uh, first of all, you eat carbs, turns into acid, acid eats holes in the teeth that causes demineralization. That's what causes cavities. So that happens in a lot of, uh, basically all the time, especially if you're eating a standard diet. Um, but then we have the other balance of remineralization. And that's where mostly like saliva plays, the saliva and the minerals in the saliva play a crucial role in the remineralization of teeth so let's say you've got a cavity that started and it's still small smallish well if i take an x-ray and i can see it i you know we see it as a radio opacity or a, excuse me a radiolucency uh however if you let's say stop eating carbs you get your diet straight and you allow the body to remineralize that um that cavity can the, the progression can totally stop indefinitely and forever um often we will still see that radiolucency in the x-ray um but the tooth can be remineralized and without uh without progressing so i think that is uh, probably what how i would explain it is this remineralization that you can absolutely have and so some people re, re- confuse that with Hey, is that is that lucency that we see in the x ray gonna to totally disappear? And often I would say no, that's not gonna happen, but it doesn't mean you need to get a filling if, if you uh, reverse the cavity. I, I say reverse the cavity because we remineralized it and it's no longer um, gonna progress. And progressing is what we don't want it to do is it progresses into what's the you know, the pole chamber is what it's called. Well then you have all kinds of problems and you need root canals and such.
0: Thank you. Um, so in the waiting room, in the waiting room of the dentist, we have uh, this the doctor dr. Lisa.
1: dr lisa we got to meet a couple months ago
3: yes it was so oh, great geez. seeing you hang on
1: look. it was great and, to uh, see you again Ketocon. Ketocon. yeah oh, fabulous
3: yeah i've been that a, really a big fan of dr stock and yeah I, nice. you know and and i think really the connection and the bottom line is this carnivore way of eating involves the health of every aspect of our bodies, whether it's our eyes, our teeth, our heart, our lungs. And so we become very empowered and passionate to talk about this because not only, you know, are we bombarded with questions about our specific specialty, but I like to just say, yeah, what makes you think that it's going to heal like just this or just this and ruin your heart? And, you know, there's, there's so much about this that, you just get so powered up about because there's this this knowledge that I feel we have that we want to shout from the rooftop and it's it's very difficult to get the word out with all the conflicting information out there.
0: Shall I let you into a secret then? When I started this, I had a I drew a person. And I went through. Can we get a specialist that talks about the brain? Can we get someone that talks about the eyes? Can we get someone? Seriously, I did this. It's very sad. And yeah, of you course. Went nose, you it. went
3: nose to tail.
0: Brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I and I I agree with you because um, Rich just said everybody does look a picture of hell from top to, top to bottom, and I love what you just said. Actually, that's really great. Yeah you're going to eat this way just to make your teeth better, but your eyes are going to be rubbish and your hair is going to be rubbish. But that's obviously not going to happen. And everyone does look overall healthy. I mean, I think I'm doing okay for 59 and uh, 14 hours into a live stream. But anyway, right. Um, So, Kevin, thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you for Uh, having me. It was a pleasure chatting. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Brilliant. It brilliant. Bye. Bye, uh, bye Dr. Lisa. Thanks, Kevin. bye.
0: appreciate it. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. So, <laughs> you like you oh, so <laughs> <laughs> you introduce yourself? Um, I know you've just said you're an eye specialist, but...
3: Yeah, so I'm I'm Dr. Lisa Wiedemann. I have been in practice for over 32 years. I'm an optometric physician. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I came into carnivory mm, over 14 years ago. I was fortunate enough to have had enough personal issues in my life to really want to seek out an answer. I struggled with sugar, carb, processed food, addiction, binge eating disorder, and I just couldn't figure out how to get out from under myself with that because, for anybody who has suffered from that, you know how incredibly strong this draw is and how incredibly difficult it is to what I call stay out of the ditch. And, you know, you could be good for a couple months and then all of a sudden there's a trigger. There's an event. It's something with your co-workers. It's something socializing with friends. It's a family holiday. And next thing you know, you give yourself permission and you are down in the ditch. And it might take a week, a month, a year to climb back out because we have learned through our lives how to fill emotional voids, how to deal with emotions and Some of us, unfortunately, who have the predilection to be uh, addicted to certain substances, and that's not to say there's cross-addiction here, where a lot of alcoholics who get sober cross-addict onto sugar, and likewise, cigarette uh, smokers who end up being able to kick that habit, end up gaining weight. It's because in my opinion, we are still striving to fill the, the need that we have for these, what I call DOCs, these drugs of choice, whatever it happens to be. Uh, And it becomes very difficult unless we understand that we have to change our relationship with food and change the impulse of why we turn to food. Um, and it, it becomes a very, well, for me um, and and for many, and that's, this is pretty much how my coaching goes is, is discussing how turning to a full carnivore way of eating eliminates those foods that we are so attracted and addicted to. Nobody's binging on ground beef. Nobody's binging on sardines or eggs. Those aren't binge foods. And we have to understand that we have to get angry at Big Food, who really has, um, unfortunately, hired addiction specialists, experts on staff, To intentionally make these foods in certain combinations of fat, sugar, salt. And we are really just victims until you understand, realize, and wake up to it. And also, it's still even at that point, it's still not easy. It's still that change of our emotional connection. I mean, we could be going to these foods for anxiety, stress, depression, boredom, even happiness. There's different just different emotions that well up that we learn to turn to food to hit that dopamine center. And it becomes very, very difficult to break that cycle. So I'm just really grateful for the whole, you know, when I came into this 14 years ago, I was like, Oh wow. I was reading in this forum, zeroing in on health that was out there. This is way before Instagram and Facebook and I was like this small group of people had kind of started this thread and then, um, became this little forum. And I was reading about people resolving their diabetes and their bipolar disease and their anxiety and their depression and their eating disorders. And I was like, wait, wait, what? All right. I'm starting tomorrow. (laughs) And then I thought, Oh, wow, this is crazy. Okay. So I resolved that issue and now I'm going to, um, like, something else is obviously got to go wrong if I'm not eating fruits and vegetables because we're all brainwashed our whole lives that, oh, you need grains so you can go to the bathroom, too. Like, what are we doing here? But I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing it day by day. And as I do it, I'm going to continue to research. And the group really shared uh, the fat of the land, not by bread alone, the whole Stephenson uh, explore Expeditions and uh owsley, the Bear Stanley, all those kind of things. And I was like, wow, not only is this resolving my issue, but it's the healthiest way to eat. <laughs> and like let's celebrate this and let's just friggin' shout it from the rooftop. But guess what? <laughs> Nobody really wants to hear this. Nobody wants to hear that you're not going to eat bread and pasta and pizza and chocolate and ice cream anymore and just go away and fly your freak flag somewhere else. And, um, yeah, then it got frustrating because I wanted what I was feeling as I was feeling healthier and healthier and talking about it to some people who were willing to listen and receptive to it, and then watching their remarkable improvements and changes, I was like, you know what, I just have to pick and choose and understand who themselves has their own why that makes them cry. Um, I, I think I, I stole that term from Christy Code Red Nichols is a particular person who um, is is out in this space talking about these kind of things. And I. Um, yeah, you have to have your own real, true suffering or else why would you choose to randomly, voluntarily give up the world of food that we've known to come to love and be addicted to and cling to and have so many family traditions and memories connected to it? And, you know, face it, let's face it. Everything revolves around food, even when you're chatting with your friends and we're getting together. Oh, what are you bringing? Oh, what are we having? Oh, where are we going? It's food, 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 right? It's like, oh, we're just going for a hike and I don't even need to bring beef jerky. I'm good. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's really my my background in a nutshell. Um, and and what hap- I'll, I'll just go one step further of what then happened was I just was actually yeah, just continuing on my way with this, realizing people don't really want to hear about it. So we'll just zip it up. And then, um, yeah, I guess 10 years goes by. And then I'm browsing on, you know, scrolling on Instagram, just on my own little private account. And I, I came across some zero carb carnivore kind of things. I was like, oh, cool. Let me read. And I was reading some comments of naysayers in there saying, oh, well, that's all well and good, but this is not possibly sustainable long-term and not possibly healthy long-term. And I was like, "Uh, wait, let me raise my hand here. Can I speak? (laughs) So yeah, I, um, I then just off the top of my head, created Carnivore Doctor on Instagram. I thought, well, let me follow some people in there and let me start making some comments and keep this as my little, you know, carnivore sidekick here to, you know, try to talk about this. And it just exploded. I was so excited to see that, you know, once Sean Baker was on with Joe Rogan and then Michaela Peterson and and Jordan and um, and. You know Sean Baker doing his Meet RX thing, and I thought, wow, okay, this movement's growing, and I need to be part of it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, I came to then uh, really become so passionate. To I said, if I can help one person out of the misery that I lived for thirty years, I will be so ahead of the game. Just to feel that I can make an impact on somebody else's life like that little forum did for me 14 years ago.
0: Brilliant. Dr. Lisa, thank you so much. It's great, isn't she, Rich?
2: Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. It, uh, <laughs> again, I mean, it's um, coming back to a few points that you made Then I, I know some of the content that we've, um, you know, that we put out there has been repeated because you know some of it comes back again and again, and this food addiction comes back to you know, the impact on the catecholaminergic neurotransmitter synthesis and how the body creates neurotransmitters and food addiction. We just had, um, um. Uh, the end winds on recently, and we went through food addiction and how the food we eat affects, uh you know, our brain's ability to process these neurotransmitters and blocks the neurotransmitter synthesis, leading to us in this pursuit of dopamine. So, you know, it food addiction is a real thing. It's not recognised, I believe, in the UK or or the states as as a real addiction, but it's probably, in, in our opinion, the most damaging uh, form of addiction. But I just think that deserves to be highlighted again. I mean, it. Um, We are addicted to these things and and unfortunately we're in a society where we're bombarded with these uh, misinformation, these ads and things to tell us these foods are are healthy and good for us to consume our whole grains and avoid our saturated fats. And it is this uphill struggle, isn't it? It, uh, It's... um, yeah, it's it's part of this uh, this battle, I think, that we've all decided to be part of and, and try to uh, to influence others and, and spread spread the word, isn't it? But um, another thing that I wanted to ask you really quickly was, um, I I've, you know, coming back to a point you made earlier, I've been working with a professional stuka player um, who fell out of professional rankings. Um, he came to see me. We put him on a ketogenic lifestyle. Uh, within a few weeks he's now regained his pro status so he's a professional player Um, and one of the benefits that he's seen is an improvement in his vision so this guy wore contact lenses and now no longer requires them. Now, I've got my theories in, in regards to glycation and things of, of the optic nerve, but I'm sure you can go into a lot more detail in regards to this, but it, it, does it come down to that? Is it a case that, um, you know, glycation uh, over the years has caused damage that has been reversed to becoming keto and carnivore, or is there something else there uh, at play?
3: Yeah, so interesting. And, you know, one of the things that I so commonly get asked Is just just like what you're saying, you know, somebody says, well, I've got um, glaucoma will carnivore help that I'm really nearsighted somebody said that it might improve my vision is that true with carnivore, or I have bloaters, so. I say what I what I answer to that because they're asking me as an eye doctor, right? So unless I personally suffered from glaucoma and I, having gone carnivore, could then give you my N equals one experiment testimony and tell you, Yep, here we go. Look what happened to me. Okay. So now picture me as an eye doctor, and I have a patient in my chair, and <clears throat> excuse me, that patient has floaters would you think they would think i've got two heads if i said you know why don't you try this carnivore thing i've got this little thought process that there's glycation issues and because i can't quote a specific scientific study and they're going to walk out of there thinking Oh, wow. What the hell was that? Meat, seafood, eggs, and I'm going to do this because to try to resolve my bloaters. So I don't have the database information in that context, okay? But what I do have is because I guess I've been in this concentrated world of being carnivore doctor on my social media accounts that I now have quite a number of people who message, comment on either the videos or specifically want to tell me their situation. So this is what I can offer as far as I have had people who said, well, of course, now they're not going, turning carnivore for this specific reason, because they went to their doctor, let's say, three years ago, and they were told they were a glaucoma suspect. And, of course, that doctor's not telling them, well, you should go carnivore, right? So this has nothing to do with the glaucoma. But by chance, a person is a severe, let's say, um, unstable blood sugar diabetic and is being threatened to go on insulin now. And they now have their why to make them cry. They research. They find this whole carnivore thing. They do it. They're doing it one year, two year. They're resolve themselves of all of their diabetes issues and guess what they're writing to me I went to my eye doctor I'm no longer a glaucoma suspect (laughs) and I've had testimony after testimony of all sorts of different eye situations I used to wear glasses it was getting blurrier I couldn't figure out why I go to my doctor huh my prescription reduced 0.75 diopters in each eye this visit. I got weaker glasses. And I've heard that over and over. Some people are at the point, like if you are a 1.25 diopter nearsighted myope and your vision improves 0.75 All right, now you're only a 0.5 myope. You're a person who's not even wearing glasses. So that's why I then get people who say, I used to wear glasses when I drove at night. Now I don't need them at all. So over and over, and I I know you had a question up there regarding floaters. Um, There are uh, people who are reporting, guess what? my floaters have improved dramatically. So I always try to, you know, I I come back at these, all these ocular questions, just similar to how you come back out with a answer to, you know, bleeding gums and teeth issues. And then all of a sudden people are carnivore and they go to their dentist and oh my gosh, there's so much improvement. Mike Dennis said, whatever you're doing, keep it up. And so therein lies where I say, when you switch to an ancestrally healthy way of eating, it's going to, your our bodies are meant to evolve and to evolve to health, obviously, to be able to evolve. And it's going to attempt to heal all your tissues, all your organ systems. So- I, I have to say to you know people, I, I might not have a specific situation, and a lot of people will ask about um, macular degeneration or cataracts. I don't know at what point a end stage scarred geographic atrophy macular degeneration situation would be reversed because. You know, once you lose rods and cones and they're scarring, I got to say, there's probably a point of no return on certain things, but- What I can say is there are many people who had the early changes and early signs of macular degeneration that ended up dropping all their processed foods, seed oils, sugars, and grains, and have gone back to their well, of course, for other reasons because they weren't told with early macular degeneration, hey, look, this is what you have to do. You know what they're told? go buy some Arids 2 synthetic vitamin supplement and go eat some dark green leafy vegetables. It's because these eye doctors, and I was one of them, I'm going to raise my hand as being a culprit, just like how I feel like Dr. Ken Berry says, you know, he's guilty of giving out that same wrong information for so many years. And he's on a mission to correct those wrongs. I was one of those who that was the standard of care and, Aerith too. This is what you take when I diagnose macular degeneration. Guess what? <laughs> Synthetic vitamins really do jack squat. And I've been doing a lot of research, and I'm I'm really fortunate. On uh, two days from now, I am going to have Dr. Chris Kenobi on my YouTube, and we're going to go really in depth into this because we need people to understand and know that. The information is not out there for all of these doctors who haven't learned this in school. So how are we going to get the information out? This is kind of like this grassroots, you know, kind of like what we're doing here. We're trying to get the message out. We seem to be censored and silenced in many ways. Um, I, I know Dr. Kenobi himself was not invited to speak at certain events. Why? They're sponsored by the ARIDS to synthetic supplement companies, the pharmaceutical industry, right? And the probably one of like a major um, um, medical system, right? And they're sponsored by who? big pharma, right? So it becomes really um, frustrating situation to try to feel like we know the answer and we just have to wait for the people who are willing to hear it. And I think it's just so important what you're doing here. And I know Judy Cho just had the Carnivore Summit, which is amazing. It's all about getting the information out and Again, I, um, I like to say that it's, it's one of those things where you have to be receptive to the information. And I know so because then of course, what do you, what's the first thing we all hear? Well, what about my 92 year old grandmother who, you know, ate mostly vegetables and, You know, I say, well, your ninety-two-year grandmother probably baked with real butter and not Crisco, and there's a lot of other issues that could be, you know, involved in that. But um, yeah, I and I say all I can give you is my own personal experience and those of thousands that I've coached, and um, and just look into it further.
0: Brilliant. And Judy's coming on in about half an hour's time, actually. We've got a guest straight after you and then uh, Judy's at half, and a half an hour. Uh, anyway, right. Brilliant. Um, there's a question there. Do you want to take that, Dr. Lisa? Why do many doctors say we need to be careful on protein intake when having kidney issues?
3: Yeah. So the, the whole thing with the kidney issues is, you know, if you're an end stage kidney failure, that's a whole different scenario. And of course, I can't give any medical information here, any medical advice. But again, there's a lot of wrong information out there um, because eating this way could actually resolve your kidney issues. Like I said, this when we remove all of those toxic substances from our diet... Our body wants to heal and evolve. So, who's to say what would make us think that it would exclude the kidney issue from that, right? So that 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 really is, um, yeah. The whole don't don't fear it. Um, I say go down go down the rabbit hole and go look on YouTube. There's a lot of information about kidneys and carnivore. All right. Um, you, uh,
0: a, a nice question here. Uh, Ask Dr. Lisa to comment on how important it is to get natural sunlight in the eyes, even in those with de- de- degenerative uh, retinal diseases.
3: Yeah, that's such a great question because so many people, as soon as you're diagnosed with macular degeneration, one of the first things the eye doctor says is make sure you wear your sunglasses, protect your eyes from the sunlight the sunlight is not what's causing macular degeneration and you're going to be able to heal like i said with the proper ancestral way of eating with a uh, totally eliminating the seed oils that's the key thing with um with our health uh so Oh, yeah. Um, the doctors that are saying that are not, you know, saying it maliciously. Uh, same thing. They'll say that about cataracts. Oh, protect your eyes. It's so important to get the sunlight into our eyes without blocking it with UV blocking sunglasses. Even regular prescription clear lens eyeglasses block the UV from getting in your eyes. I know it sounds rather crazy, but the material, the clear plastic polycarbonate material blocks hundred percent of the UV coming in. So you want to go outside really within the first hour or two in the morning of waking. open a door, open a window, let actual natural sunlight come in. You don't actually have to go outside and sit outside. Um, but it's, It signals, our eyes are not just for vision. There's so many different receptors in our eyes that are not just the rods and cones for taking that, Image And sending it to the brain and allowing us to see there is it's so complicated and it has to do with our circadian rhythm. It has to do with melatonin. um, And the, the brain is so smart. It knows the angle of the sun when we are out in it in the morning. Also at sunset, it knows how to shut down the cortisol and it knows what to do, but not if we're sitting inside all day. And not if we're wearing sunglasses all the time when we're outside. So, oh, there's Dr. Kiltz on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dr. Kiltz was on as a guest, and he's been
0: absolutely brilliant and supportive all the way through. So, uh, I love Dr. Good.
3: Kiltz. He's coming. He will be standing right here next to me in um, 13 days. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I have my big Northeast meetup that I have... Sold out. 125 carnivores are coming to uh, meet with me, Kelly Hogan, and Dr. Kilt. And I have a rancher from Rhode Island bringing some nice regenerative beef. And I rent out a beautiful area outdoors at a you know in the woods. And we all gather together and guess what? Talk carnivore. Talk experience. Talk about um, our. Healing and our evolving through our own personal journeys with this, because this is what makes it so powerful, and it makes it help people not feel so isolated and alone in all of this.
0: Dr. Lisa, thank you very much. I've been staring at a screen for uh, many hours now, so I put some blue blockers on. Uh, do you have any comments? Uh, are these worth trying? Do you think I'm I'm doing the right thing, or do you feel that they're maybe? bit too fatty what do you reckon
3: no you know i think there's a lot to be said with um how we now as humans (laughs) and the way the world has changed and how much we are doing this right yes or we're on the ipad or we're on our laptops um out of necessity and out of you know this is this is where i i can help express my knowledge and get to all these other people who you know come and say oh my god you've changed my life this is amazing thank you so much for what you do and it what do I do we're on a screen right and it's artificially changing the um, the amount of light and the different wavelengths of light so yeah I do think there's benefit to it um, especially for people who have any sort of sleep issues. You know, when the sun goes down, it's a good idea that that's when we should not be having artificial light coming into our eyes. So it's. Um, it, it, I don't believe it's a fad. I don't think that um, it. You know, for for most people, um, it's it's not so cost prohibitive. There's some fairly inexpensive blue blocking um, lenses, and I say you know try it. I the thing is, be your own n equals one experiment.
0: Brilliant. Dr. Lisa, thank you so much for giving up your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um Rich, would you like to say anything?
2: Yeah, so I really enjoyed that. I very much appreciated. <laughs> um just, just segueing back to um, um, you know, the, the protein and, and the kidneys. Uh, that, that study or uh, that information is based on information over 100 years old. Um, I personally worked with people with advanced polycystic kidney disease, which is degenerative, uh, 5% year on year, who, um, as has halted did, kidney disease in its tracks through being predominantly carnivore based, eating nothing but um, high protein with lots of salt. So, the um, question, science, that's what it's there for. Uh, kidneys um, or, or protein consumption, in, in my opinion, as you rightly say, unless you're suffering with severe uh you know kidney issues is not a problem protein is the most important macronutrient. do not skip on your protein but How really you thoroughly enjoy that yeah
3: That's and funny. then and then to also what you said earlier when i was uh kind of peeking in on the end of dr kevin stock's uh little talk is you know take a look at us carnivores i mean i'm 58 i'm You know, I'm strong. I work out. I feel amazing. And I feel that people need to know that this isn't something this is not a fly by night, fad, freak, uh, quick fix, you know, thing. This is this is how how we should be eating all along. Nothing that comes in a box, a bag, a bottle or a jar, you know, and, and it's very difficult for, and and it's really kind of interesting how people say, that's just so restrictive. I don't know how you could possibly do that. I'm like, what do you mean if we were roaming the earth we'd be so happy to be able to catch a beast drag it back and have some delicious fatty meat and go on with our day and guess what be happy to do it again tomorrow I, you know so you know what's restrictive is if I'm in ill health and I have to go stand in line at the the pharmacy or in the waiting room of the doctor's office that's pretty darn restrictive um, and and I'm not restricted by anything, but my but my own, you know, but whatever I, I choose to be restricted by. So um, yeah, I, I'm just. I, you know, um, thank you so much for doing something like this, because I feel like it's just the more it's talked about, the more information that gets out there and the more experience each of us, even though those of us who, you know, for me, having done it so many years, uh, but interacting with others now who are coming into this and learning how remarkably empowering it is for everybody and it, I, you know, here, I, you can tell I'm just, you know, I bubble over. You're passionate, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and Absolutely. Because I just want people to know, and I get sad when I, I am in a restaurant and I look over and the the mom is feeding the little baby the French fries, and I'm like, oh my god, the feed oil, yes. what are you doing? You just don't know, and I, oh, I just want to take them and just bring them into my house and start discussing it, but <laughs> you no, know, we can't do that. Brilliant. Thank you so you know, much. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, that's okay, no, and we got Kim so. now. Pim, do you know Dr. Lisa? Do, do you know each other at all? I don't
3: know him. Hi, Pim. Hi, Lisa.
2: i I, I listened to half of your talk. It's awesome. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what, what I was saying. We just talked eyes. I know we talked holistically, and now we're going to get into sort of carb addiction and stuff with Pim. So, uh, Dr. Lisa, I'm going to Say goodbye and uh, Pim's gonna take the baton from you.
2: Great,
3: right. thanks. So Thank, much.
2: You, Thank, Richard. Much. Thank, Thank you, Very much appreciate it. Bye you. bye. Thanks very much. Take care.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. I'd do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.